November 28, 1895, the first American automobile race takes place over the 54 miles from Chicago's Jackson Park to Evanston, Illinois. Franklin Duvet wins in approximately 10 hours and 23 minutes. According to Google, it takes six hours and 43 minutes to walk from Jackson Park to Evanston. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I am Zach Powers. And joining us, coming down the lane, coming around the mountain, it's Brad Galley, everyone. Welcome back, Hello. Brad. Thank you. Hi, guys. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. As I strain to come up with some way to introduce people. <laughs> uh, it's the day before Thanksgiving. It's, it's yeah. been a long month. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's been a long month. It's been a long year. It's been yeah. a long start to the decade, I guess. I can't really, unless you're one of those assholes who's like, technically, uh, 2021 is the beginning of the next decade. But um, <laughs> Zip subtweeting I mean, my you're dad. You're right. You're right. But you have lost all your friends. So it's just one of those situations. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, we are here at The Revisionists. We are a comedy history podcast, if you're a first-time listener, um, uh, in which we look at a person or event from uh, history, and uh, one person gives the sort of government-sanctioned Wikipedia true, quote-unquote, account (laughs) of what happened. Very different ends of the spectrum. (laughs) Yeah, well... Depending on the time period you're living in, one of those is more reliable than the other. Um, (laughs) And uh, another person gives uh, a slightly different version that can be as batshit banana wild as they like. Go full Alex Jones. You can fucking geocentrism, (laughs) flat earth. It don't fucking matter, baby. All on the table. Um, and at the end of the episode, we vote on what is the true history of this brilliant blue spinning marble. Although I said flat earth, so pog going <laughs> forward. Um, that's the basic premise of the show. Uh, to give you a little bit of a hint of how this works, uh, a couple weeks ago for Halloween, we did the story of H.H. Holmes and what eventually won was that he was a Home Alone-style prankster who eventually escaped custody and became uh, Theranos CEO Elizabeth Holmes. And that is canonically true uh, in in the world we live in now, according to this podcast. Um, (laughs) The results from last week, which was Phineas Gage, are not yet in, so stay tuned uh, for those. Uh, But this week, I believe we are doing The Plague. Yeah, um, this is the, uh, I believe, I, I think it's going to be the penultimate episode in our medical history miniseries. Um, and uh, as as always with these episodes, almost more so than any other series we've done, which is well, nuts, yeah. content warning. <laughs> it does seem like, and I may be wrong here, during the plague, some people died. Now, that's just my perception of the plague as a layman. Um, It might be that like one third of everybody in Europe was killed or something of that nature. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I mean, no spoilies. Um, It seems like a big deal and it involves a lot of shit and fleas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, in my notes, I wrote content warning, uh, gross, bummer, and anti Semitism, uh, which are all involved in this story yeah which i mean you can expect at least two or three of the two out of the three on any given episode of this podcast (laughs) the three for three we call that the jackpot (laughs) yeah that's not the really the word for that we we regret calling that the jackpot no (laughs) um it sounds like something you want but yeah i'll be doing the uh the true story brad will be doing the alternate I will say, uh, before I forget, my sources for this one were there was some background stuff on Wikipedia, uh, but my main source, um, quite fortuitously, was actually a book I just finished reading 
Um, Barbara Tuchman's A Distant Mirror, The Calamitous 14th Century, hmm. um, which, very good book. Not entirely about plague, but about the entire shit show that was the 14th century. Um, so if you're stuck in quarantine and you want to have a fun time, you know, you can watch the Saved by the Bell reboot, sure. Or... Yeah. <laughs> or you can read a book about the plague. Yeah, Queen's Gambit is done. You don't know what to do next. Mm-hmm. It's fully the second book about plague I've read in this lockdown. The other is a novel, one of my favorites, uh, Doomsday Book by Connie Willis. So shout out that. Um, but without without further ado, it's October 1347. Uh, and Holy shit. Not not right now. Oh, we've okay. not we've not <laughs> slidered back back to that time. Um, but a ship is pulling into the harbor of Messina in Sicily. Uh, the ship was returning from the Black Sea port oh. of Caffa, which is uh, today Feodosia. Um, not the subject of the Fe- Feodosia. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's carrying. I like this in media ray sort of like narrative choice you've made. Of like, yeah, I, I at first I was like, oh, maybe I'll try a different structure for this, and then I was like, oh, no, that's not going to make this easier to talk about. The plague is tough, but what if it were a first-person shooter? <laughs> Might be a little more fun. <laughs> I mean, that is almost essentially Assassin's Creed. The ship was carrying goods from the Genoese trading post in Kaffa, uh, and at the oars of the ship were the dying and the dead. Uh, the diseased sailors had egg-sized swellings in their armpits and in their groin. Uh, give me one sec. So the, um, the swellings, they stank, they bled, they oozed. Uh, mm. The sailors had boils and black blotches that covered their skin, and they died in the span of hours and days and this is how the black plague arrived in europe sure now the black plague is an outbreak of a disease that we now just call plague that's how bad it was spoiler alert the Uh, name of the disease is the name for everyone having a disease am i incorrect in that the modern name for it is the bubonic plague Ooh, sort of, sort of incorrect. Okay. Um, there's, there's sort of three flavors of plague. One of them is oh, bubonic. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was like in early, early Baskin Robbins. They were just, <laughs> they were fresh out the gate. They didn't have the full range yet. Yeah, no one's buying this plague ice cream. This is, yeah, we have we have Rocky Road plague. Rocky yeah. Road is a plague upon ice cream. I'll say we have that mint now. plague and we have a chocolate chip cookie dough plague and, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever you like. <laughs> um, yeah, the, bubonic was like, it's the variety that's most talked about. Um, it's what a lot of the crew had. It's caused by flea bites, basically. And it's weird because an infected flea will transmit it to, like, a small rodent, uh, usually in in this case, rats, which were f- fucking everywhere. So were fleas. People were covered in fleas all the time in the 1300s. Um, and then, so that rat will get infected, a flea will bite that and get reinfected, and then bite a human. Um, mm. And so the symptoms of bubonic plague were fever, headaches, vomiting, diarrhea, swollen lymph nodes with the bubos, uh, gangrene, seizures. Um, the other two forms of plague were pneumonic um, and septicemic. Uh, pneumonic infects the lungs and it spreads via air droplets um, through coughing. And that incubates in usually like one to four days, but sometimes in a matter of hours. Um, and in addition to the other symptoms, like causes weakness, uh, coughing or vomiting blood and untreated, uh, which of course it was in the 1300s. As a rule, yeah. Um, the mortality rate was close to 100%. Um, septicemic was even closer to 100% mortality rate. 
Um, even today, if you don't get treatment for septicemic plague within 24 hours, you have a basically 100% mortality rate. Um, in 2015, in, in Colorado, there was a teenager, um, Taylor Gates, who died of septicemic plague. Um, but that uh, infects the blood, uh, causes bleeding under the skin, in, from the mouth, nose, or rectum, um, and like organ failure, uh, shock. Um, and the, the Black Death is otherwise called the second plague pandemic. Uh, the first one started in like the sixth century with the plague of Justinian and sort of ended in the 700s. Um, so it, was, it lasted a long time. It killed a lot of people, uh, but less than we're talking about here. This particular outbreak of plague started in probably South Asia, maybe East Asia. Um, Europeans, who are sort of the center of the Black Plague story, that we know just because that is how history is taught in a racist culture. Um, And that's just the sort of record keeping that was prioritized. Um, Europeans heard rumors of sort of a disease spreading through Asia. There were rumors even that all of India was wiped out. Um, Probably more accurate rumors that entire villages were just, dead and uh, no life left in them. Pope Clement VI calculated the death toll in India uh, at 23,840,000. Probably not reliable numbers, well, but I mean, like... Uh, when, I, when I'm when i looking for statistical numbers, I say, the what's Pope. the Pope think? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Weather forecast or... Uh, accurate disease numbers the cdc can have their time it's time for the pope to tell me what's up <laughs> um the pope's estimate that's what they call <laughs> i've been waiting for the pope to call pennsylvania since yeah. since I'm, I'm fucking adam sandler and uncut uncut gems and i'm like Listen, my bookie, I got the Pope's estimate on tonight's game. And I'm going to place a fucking bet. <laughs> I've not seen Uncut Gems, so I'm just going to assume that's basically what happens. Um, sure. And, like, European medicine uh, and the general populace at the time had no sense of, like, the large movements of disease. There was sort of a sense that, like, you could be in a city... And a disease would be there and there's a chance you would catch it. But they had no sense of like disease moving along trade routes or things like that, which is, exact, is exactly what happened here. Um, so because they didn't have a sense of that, they Europeans weren't. I imagine at the time disease was basically like it might as well be a synonym for a curse. Yeah. Yeah. That just yes, like magically exactly. appears places. We'll We'll get to that. But that's basically how people reacted to it. Um, But yeah, they didn't take any precautions um, until once it arrived in Europe, some, a couple places did with varying degrees of brutality from the sensible to the awful. Um, So the plague that arrived in Europe was, primarily the bubonic and pneumonic plague, um, which is probably why it was so virulent, because if it was just the bubonic, the one spread solely by flea bites and, like, exposure to oozing pus from a... Bubonic and pneumonic being my favorite uh, two Wu-Tang members. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, bubonic, pneumonic, septicemic, uh, Rizza, Jizza... And, And of course, Old Dirty Bastard. Yeah. (laughs) In this case, old is spelled with an E. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so um, the plague... Ye old, dirty bastard. <laughs> ye old, dirty bastard. Um, and, of course, Chaucer's The Old Dirty Bastard's Tale. Uh, <laughs> um, sorry, I'm going to imagine that for a minute. Um, so the plague 
spread throughout Italy first, because that's where a lot of the trade was happening. Uh, so you have Messina, you have Genoa, you have Venice sort of becoming the centers of the plague. Um, from Italy, it spread to France through Marseille and North Af- Africa via Tunis. Um, from there, west to Spain and north along the Rhone into Germany and France. Um, by the summer of 1848, it had reached Paris, um, which was one of only four cities in Europe with a population greater than 100,000 people. Um, the others being uh, Florence, Venice, and Genoa. Um, cities of Ghent, Bruges, Rome, Milan, Cologne had between like 50 and 100. Um, the, uh, the plague arrived in London uh, in thir- late 1348, uh, fall or winter. Uh, and England had about like just under 50,000 people. The only other English city than York to have more than 10,000. Um, in like a given area, the plague accomplished like its entire spread in about four to six months. Uh, and then it would fade in the winter and then resurge the following spring. Um, except in large cities where people were so crowded in that it never really faded. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sort of happens here in, um, there's the lull in winter and then spring 1349, the plague reaches Scotland, Ireland. It reaches Norway um, when a ship, a ghost ship carrying a bunch of wool arrives in Bergen. The entire crew had died in the middle of the journey. Um, and so from Norway, it spreads across Scandinavia, even to Iceland and as far away as Greenland. Um didn't reach Russia till 1351. And um, there are a few states that it didn't really touch all that much. Bohemia, um, so like Czech Republic, um, where the Czech Republic is today, was largely spared. Um, and we, we talked or, about Pope I numbers. I believe they call it Chechia now for some reason. But. Yeah, that's... I think that is just like the what the Czechs call it. Um, mm. I don't know. Uh, it's it's still Czechoslovakia to me. Yeah, that's a that's <laughs> a weird attitude. I don't mean that. Um, yeah, some nostalgic like boomer like. What happened <laughs> to the old days when it was Czechoslovakia? <laughs> I mean, that's like yeah, a Soviet boomer, I guess. <laughs> oh, now you identify as Czechia. Oh, I no, guess I, I like, identify I like as Zakia nowadays. I don't, I don't know about this, even as a gag. Getting back into Pope numbers, because like the contemporary death counts from the contemporary sources were more about the sort of awe at the level of destruction than they were about accuracy. Um, like, for example... Uh, the even-keeled Pope told us the truth. <laughs> Pope Cool Guy the Eighth. Pope Spuds McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Avignon, for example, was said to have 62,000 to over 120,000 people dead, despite having a population that was below 50,000, most mm. likely. Sounds like uh, some numbers from this last election, am I right? <laughs> Jeez. Some, uh, some of these counties... <laughs> My f- I don't know if you guys have been watching Newsmax. <laughs> when people would post like the Georgia population, but use the country, it was it was so it was a weird combination of both Schadenfreude and just sheer terror and dread. I felt <laughs> um, so reliable. What are considered more reliable? counts um put like the paris death rate at 800 people a day uh and by the end of the plague uh about 50,000 total dead in paris which is half the population jesus um, florence lost everywhere from anywhere from uh 60 to 80% um a, a small village in burgundy um of at most 1,500 people reported 615 deaths in three months when the decade prior they averaged about 30 a year. Um, 
to the point where like entire towns and villages were abandoned and deserted and were surprisingly quickly like reclaimed by the wilderness. Um, <laughs> which I'm sure was on top of everything else, also very alarming to see. Yeah. But I mean, to be fair, I'm sure that, uh, these old ass structures were pretty easy to overtake with growth. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's half true. of them I'm sure had dirt floors and it was like, yeah, you, you go away for a month, like on a vacation you come back and your hut is kind of overtaken by wilderness already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't think you'd be back so soon. Uh, let me get my stuff. I, I'm, I'm the wonder of nature. Um, yeah. Yes, the god of nature. Oh, geez. <laughs> Sorry. Pan has relocated into your hut. <laughs> Where's my flute? <laughs> uh, clop, clop, clop. Anyway, um, like cloisters and abbeys and monasteries and prisons um, were predict- predictably worse, uh, often seeing their occupants totally wiped out. Um, one Carthusian monk who happened to be... Um, the brother of Petrarch. Um, he buried all 34 of his fellow monks before leaving the monastery to find a place to take him in. Uh, in Ireland, another lone monk survivor named John Klein um, kept a record of the plague, uh, lest, quote, things which should be remembered perish with time and vanish from the memory of those who come after us. I like, I just, the idea that there were multiple people uh, during the plague era who are like, yeah, I'm just, you know, your typical lone monk survivor. <laughs> yeah. You know, you see yeah. us on the street every once in a while. <laughs> lone monk survivors, we're around. You know, we, we get together, you know, during the holidays. Yeah, we have a convention every uh, August for lone monk survivors. It was really bad the year that the lone monk survivor convention got hit with the plague, and there was only one lone monk survivor from the lone monk survivor convention. But here I am, you know? That's that's how I became the Highlander. Um, uh, John Klein added after writing that, quote, I leave parchment to continue this work uh, if perchance any man survive and any of the race of Adam escape this pestilence and carry on the work which I have begun. Um, After that, someone else's handwriting comes in and writes that Brother John died of the plague. Um, So, um, again, predictably, the poor were more affected than the rich uh, because if you could afford it, the solution for people was to flee to like isolated rural estates. Um, And also, I mean, sanitation in the cities wasn't great, but honestly sanitation in like castles and estates, especially at this point was better than it would be in like the 18th century. Um, Like they knew enough to get, get the poop away from the water. Um, and like actually kind of advanced for this time in history. Yeah. And like later on, there was like this concept of called noble architecture. And like they would go back and look at these castles from the 1300s and think that all these passageways and things uh, that were meant to collect poop couldn't have been that because they didn't like to think of about people pooping. So <laughs> they were just like, oh, this must be the dungeon or something. And so they didn't design like their castles with proper sanitation. So like a castle in the 1300s likely had better sanitation than like the palace of Versailles. Wow. Um, So that's a fun poop fact, Um, which you get almost every episode on the revisionists. Yeah. Check out the national hotel disease episode to hear about (laughs) how poop sanitation was like kind of worse during the 1800s. Yeah. We've only really recently got a handle on poop. Um, yeah, it's been a problem for which people. Do, to you do not want to get a handle on poop. That's the first rule. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Um, so, yeah, the rich, the nobles, Pope Clement VI's doctor. Uh, Pope Clement, not, not, not Poop Clement. Not Poop Clement, yes. <laughs> poop, <laughs> poop Clement was what Pope Clement named his poops. Um, yeah. 
and all uh, and all popes do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, poop Boniface. Um, yeah, poop John Paul. Poop Pius. There we go. Had just I just had a great poop John Paul in the other room. <laughs> uh, honestly, also the second. Um, yeah. So the Pope's doctor made him sit in his chambers um, in the middle of the summer in Avignon uh, between two large fires all day through the whole summer uh, because (laughs) his doctor wanted to burn like aromatics to keep the bad air away, which is one of the things they thought caused the disease. Um, And that sort of unintentionally worked because the reasons it probably worked was the fire probably kept away fleas. Um, and the doctor also made sure to keep the Pope isolated from other people. Um, yeah. So um, it shouldn't have worked. It didn't work for the reasons they meant. Uh, but um, as like, as like the commoners who typically cleaned the streets and carted away the bodies died, um, cities became even more filthy and thus, probably making infection rates worse. King Edward III actually wrote to the mayor of London saying, hey, the streets are too full of poop. Um, And he ordered them to be made clean as of old, quote. It didn't take because all the people who did the cleaning were dying. Um, The classic, make England feces free again. (laughs) You know, that coasted him back to... uh, is ordained right as a king. <laughs> <laughs> um, other, other, clearly he was like at a remove from the disease. Um, other, other rulers uh, were took action um, to different effect. Poland um, established a quarantine at its borders very early on, which gave it relative immunity. Um, wow. At least from this outbreak. Um, yeah, f- fucking fancy that. Um, on the other hand, um, Archbishop Giovanni Visconti, who was the ruler of Milan, um, ordered the first three houses in which plague was found to be sealed up with the occupants inside, uh, both sick and uninfected um, alike. And so they died trapped in these houses. Um <laughs> And Jesus. Milan got off fairly light. Um, also in, in Leicestershire, um, the local lord ordered the village of, I think, Nosley, Nosley, whatever. He ordered it burned and raised when the plague appeared. Um, and again, that area didn't have it as bad. And in fact, the, um, the descendants of that lord still occupy Nosley Hall. So... There's that. Um, scholars tried to explain the plague, um, but all they had to go on was sort of their guiding medical knowledge, which was it had to do with bodily humors and astrology. Um, the University of Paris medical faculty said the plague was caused by a conjunction of Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars in the 40th degree of Aquarius on March 20th, 1345. Um, but to most people, even the Pope, it was, like Zach said, basically a curse. Like, they considered it God's judgment. Um, in Siena, a chronicler named Agnolo di Tura wrote, father abandoned child, wife, husband, one brother, another, uh, for this plague to seem to strike, th- uh, for this plague seemed to strike through the breath and sight. Uh, and so they died and no one could be found to bury the dead for money or friendship. And I, Agnolo di Tura, called Agnolo the Fat, buried my five children with my own hands. Uh, And so did many others likewise. Uh, And so many died that all believed it was the end of the world. Um, Which, I could see that. (laughs) Like, there's, there's a thing about people thinking certain things are the end of the world when they're not. Yeah. I mean, people think literally everything is the end of the world to be fair. This, Uh, this one, this one seems pretty plausible when like the majority of the country dies. 
Yeah. It's like, seems like maybe this is it. Yeah. Uh, usually people think the end of the world is like Dungeons and Dragons exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not so much that. With There yeah. was like, there was a weird like coincidence where the same time the plague arrived in one Italian city, I can't remember, like the very same day as the first plague case, there was an earthquake. Mm-hmm. And so, or at least that was the story that got spread. So that sort of added credence to it. Um, but I mean, in general, the people responded at first with like sort of a general like malaise or like mass depression, almost like, there were too few laborers to even like sow seed for the next harvest. People just wandered the streets. They let their cattle and sheep just roam away. Uh, quote, uh, because no one had any inclination to concern themselves about the future. Um, yeah. And once that sort of passed, then a lot of the masses uh, turned their anger on the local Jewish population. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's just the way you you said it. You said that like a mechanic, <laughs> just like eh, goes that'll that'll happen. Um, like yeah, false... he's the mechanic the the same mechanic that Europe, the same shitty mechanic that Europe has had for the past thousand years. Yeah, who ultimately doesn't know what's wrong, but just yeah. says, "Here's your problem. It's the Jews." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, this was like this was at a time when the foundations for what would sort of become like the myths of modern anti-Semitism were being laid, um, and like Jewish people still had like nominal rights from like both the crown and the church, but no one would really ever enforce those. Um, and since they were like the group of people allowed to like loan money at higher interest rates. Um, They were the ones, the people to whom the rich and powerful owed debts. So if they were killed or driven away, the landed and rich stood to gain. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't there like some guy that owned a bunch of like, there was one Jewish guy who all these powerful people owed money to and they were like, hey, you know what? It's actually illegal to be Jewish. How about that? And then that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this is like, there were like pogroms starting like the century before, especially, but like the plague became an excuse. Um, and also like it became legal to just seize Jewish people's property, which provided, you know, the mob additional motive. It's a and, good thing that was the last time that happened. Yeah. <laughs> good thing it's 2020. Um, yeah, and, and that, anti-Semitism is dead. Yeah, uh, it, guys. Racism, it, it, of, uh, an issue of the past. Uh, all these things have been solved in 2020. Listeners, Plague no longer an issue. Putting, uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. And what's fucked up is anti, anti-Semitism is like the one thing that will unite like certain white supremacists and Muslims, which is yep. like... Oh, yeah. It's fucking, it's insane. Okay. I fully, I, I have to confess, there was a thing on uh, the This Day in History about Hitler meeting with the leader of Iran. And yeah. it was like, Hitler wouldn't shake his hand. They wouldn't have coffee together, but they agreed to work against the Jews. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I, I saw that one too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course, there are also... Plenty of Muslims who are are not anti-Semitic. Yeah, um, of course. Totally. <laughs> but, um, oddly, no German. No, uh, God, ew. Um, but yeah, false, false confessions under torture gave additional impetus to mob pogroms. Um, in Basel, Switzerland, the entire Jewish community was burned in a house that was expressly built for that purpose. Um, in Worms, the 400, uh, the 400 Jewish people there burned themselves rather than die at the hands of the mob, um, as did the community in Mines, um, but not after killing 200 of the mob in self-defense. Um, all 3,000 Jewish people at Erfurt in Germany were either killed or driven away. 
Um, Duke Albert II of Austria was one of the only rulers to effectively constrain the pogroms. Um, but like after the after the plague, there were very few Jews left in Germany or what would become the Netherlands. Um, and a lot of attacks were fueled by sort of the third the third reaction people had, uh, which was a group called the Flagellants. Uh, or flagellants. I don't fucking know how to pronounce it. Some weird, like, flubber-looking word. Flagellants. Um, self-flagellation, yeah. I imagine. Uh, self-flagellation, yeah. yeah. Um, whipping they would. oneself or whipping others, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They would go to town to town whipping themselves in a show of penance. Um, oddly, uh, because they just marched from town to town in a procession and gathered people around them, they helped spread the plague. So funny, uh, not like ha ha funny, um, but like they were also sort of anti, very anti-clerical. This was at a time when the clergy was not viewed in the best light uh, for valid reason. Um, and so they would also go to t- town to town attacking the clergy um, and looting towns. Um Speaking of clergy, most of like the prelates, like the bishops on up, survived because they had money. Most of the lay clergy did not. Um, it got to the point where priests refused to give confession or last rites or preside over burial. Um, there were exceptions. Uh, the nuns of the Hotel Dieu in Paris, which is basically the municipal hospital, um, showed like no fear of death, basically. They tended to the sick um, and every time a nun died of plague, a new one took her place. And they said by the end, like their ranks were refreshed several times over Jesus, um, because of that. Um, so estimates of the total dead have varied over time. It's also because the plague sort of like ebbed and flowed over the course of the century um, at least this outbreak did, and it recurred again and again up until even today, not in obviously not in the same numbers, but like the last large plague outbreak was in the 1800s. Jesus. But yeah, estimates have varied over time. For the known European world at the time, which encompassed also Asia and North Africa, the, the range is usually one to two thirds of the total population died um in europe especially the popular estimate is about half um so across the known world it's a range of anywhere from 70 to 200 million people um some of the other consequences are like in art you see like the figure of death becoming very prominent um presiding over wars and general affairs and sculpture usually just like a skeleton in like a skeleton oddly with its genitals covered um just like presiding over general affairs um i I don't know if you know a lot about skeleton like i don't know if you know that the term boner is metaphorical (laughs) but uh i don't know how much there is to see that's what i'm getting at why why cover it up that's that's sort of the that that is soft tissue that should disappear immediately um Maybe maybe not, though. Maybe they didn't know what was inside a boner at this time. Awesome. Um, <laughs> um, there's, there's sort of like a idea in popular history that the plague actually made things better uh, because of like Thanos logic. Um, Malthusian. Yeah. Like. Um, it doesn't really hold up. Um, there are things that happened as a result of the plague that we'll get to in a second, but like, no, it, it sucked. Like it was bad. Um, a lot of the progress that was made probably would have still happened eventually. Um, and it wasn't like there was suddenly a surplus of food because there was no one left to work the land. Um, workers like in theory, were able to bargain for better conditions and some of them tried, but it didn't work because the people in power still 
wanted them to work for their previous wages. Uh, they even passed laws that made it illegal to request higher salaries. Um, so, yeah, this was also taking place during the uh, Avignon Papacy uh, around the time of the Western Schism in the Catholic Church um, and right in the middle of the Hundred Years' War. And so it's a whole combination of factors that led to the end of the Middle Ages and sort of the birth of the modern world with the fall of like the, the fall of like not the feudal system itself, but like the romanticization of knighthood and chivalry uh, and the rise in its place of nationalism. Um, and the sort of idea that like, Oh, France is France and England is England. Um, and with that, like the Protestant reformation and sort of as a result of the plague, a new interest in science and scientific thought and exploration that led to the Renaissance eventually. Um, Despite those things, uh, the plague still the single greatest mass death event in recorded history. So that's the actual history of the plague. I don't envy you this. Like when, when this was the topic we decided on, it was like, Someone's going to, have to do the actual history of the plague, which is probably one of the, I don't know, five most significant events in human history. And it's like, usually we, we do the, the, the actual history in like 15 minutes. And I'm like, how are you supposed to fucking cover the plague with yeah. any kind of, aside from like, yeah, a shit ton of people died. <laughs> it was fleas. Yeah. <laughs> it was fleas all along. Yeah. This fleas is all the way down. Yeah, this is a this is this is you know one of the most significant things that ever happened to humanity. <laughs> so it's a very difficult topic. Yeah, but anyway, Brad, whenever you're ready. Yeah, well, Brian, Brian said it was all BS. That's not, that's not <laughs> um, just pull the rug out. That's the only way to deal with this. Exactly. What I mean, what what happened was this was this was a it was a disease that was started and spread by comedians in the 14th century. <laughs> people don't know there was a comedian and he was very popular he wasn't well respected by other comedians but he was very popular the reason he wasn't respected by other comedians at the time is because he primarily would only perform on ships at that time and he was considered to be a boat act by the other comedians in europe and this guy he would go by the name captain yuck that was his name okay. he would do sh- mm. I'm, I'm, ships. <laughs> yeah and uh he, he wasn't that good these- of a writer you get these comedians past their prime taking these jobs on like cruise ships. And it's like, all right. Yeah. You, he was, yeah. I mean, he was, he was 25, but that was past your prime. And in those days, like <laughs> you didn't have a deal by the time you were 16. I mean, it was, it was over. Yeah. yeah of course. You might as well just like <laughs> go back and get your degree. It's, it's fucking TikTok rules in the, exactly. in the 14th century. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Captain Yuck, he wasn't much of a writer, but, you know, <laughs> the, pirates, uh, the pirates loved him, and, you know, guys that worked on, you know, he was he, he really appealed to the proletariat and the working class, and mm. because he wasn't that great of a writer, he, need a big, he needed a big closer, and his big closer for years is he would eat a rat on stage. <laughs> that was his, was his big thing. Oh, so like, a little, was, like, prop comedy also, so that was, yeah. like, probably... Also yeah. a mark against him. Sort of a proto Ozzy Osbourne thing. Yeah, something yeah, something like that. But yeah, he would he would eat a rat, you know, after every show. And he was he was doing one show and it was about the ship was about to go into port the next day and he started to feel really sick. And they were like, you know, Captain Yuck, he had booked a one nighter in the village that the ship mm-hmm. had docked in. And they were like, you don't look so good. You probably shouldn't go perform. And he's like, I feel fine. There's nothing. I'm, I'm going to go and do this show. And he, he <laughs> I had, need the drink ticket. Yeah, he went and did the show at a at a little, uh, whatever they called bars back then. I, I don't know if there was. <laughs> In tavern. Yeah. I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm also just picturing at this time, someone getting up with like a loot and all the comics being like, oh, fuck. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, he actually would play a lute. So he, he went and did the show at this inn. And, you know, halfway, you know, he, he did the show and 
I mean, people, you know, it was a bit of an older crowd. So like he did really well. He always did well at these kind of like road gigs, kind of seedy in places. And, uh, he was, he was mingling with people after the show, you know, letting people, you know, buy him, uh, the wine and, and whatever they would drink at those times. He was just taking those drinks Mead and, or just yeah. <laughs> anything other than water, basically yeah. some much. water that was in the street that fermented somehow. <laughs> basically. And he, he basically like he, he hugged and touched everyone who came to the show that night. Mm. A, a barmaid took interest to him and he actually ended up spending the night with the barmaid and you know, he, the, what, the, the big problem was every, everyone, the barmaid died, obviously. Everyone who was at the show that night died. But where it really took off is the opener, who he said he was going to pay, didn't pay at all. He also he didn't pay this kid who opened for him that night. <laughs> this kid uh, whose, whose name is, who's, has been lost. Uh, they, they, can't, they, can't find, they can't find records. There's no records of this comedian everywhere. But he gave the plague to this kid who opened for him. And then this kid was bouncing around from open mic to open mic mm. in this, giving it to, you know, other, other patrons and other, you know, comedians alike. And all these comedians are obviously, I mean, they're comedians in the 14th century. They all had other jobs. So they, they were <laughs> going to these open mics and yep. then they'd go to the, a lot of them were blacksmiths. A lot of them were the people that were shoveling the shit off the streets. That was what most comedians had to do in those times. They would shovel shit during the day and they would eat shit at night. That was kind of, it was, it was, like, it was like a lifestyle thing that they did. So I bet like, was, I bet the shit shoveling comics like looked at the blacksmith comics and be like, you don't even need to be doing this. Like, let, let me have this. Exactly. I need the stage like, time. Yeah, the blacksmiths were the hobby comics. In, in, <laughs> in, well, yeah, every comics. every New Year's or like every Michaelmas or whatever fucking holiday they were celebrating. Yeah, every every now and then you'd get someone with like royal ties that would really do well in comedy. And they're like, well, he's just you know he's backed yeah, by exactly. his rich family and it's fucking Larry like David's daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, you'd be like. I think I think I think Nick Troll is very funny, but his dad also owns all the bridges in yeah. in London. Yeah, Nick's his dad invented the death penalty. That's what Nick Troll's dad did. He's, he's, he's killing everyone. Yeah, so it spread that way, and then you know the, a lot of comedians at the time, they, you know, they weren't that you know well off, you know. In the in the caste system, they weren't in the hierarchy, but they were very smart people. They were obviously, you know, they had they had things to say, and smarter than they are now. They they wanted to, you know, talk about the rulers at the time. They they, they served an important purpose, and a lot of them mm-hmm. said, "Well, this is this is clearly affecting us, you know, by disproportionate numbers." I think we're spreading this to other people in our communities, and we're spreading it to people who are seeing us perform. So I don't I don't think we should do shows for a little while. Like we need to stop doing comedy shows. And that's when it really kind of split the comedians at that time down the middle. Cause some comedians, you know, mainly the, the shit shovelers of, of that time thought, well, like, I don't think this is like, this is, you know, you know how many people, I mean, is the, the measles kill every year. That's what these comedians kept saying. It's like, people are going to die one way or the other. Like I'm going to keep doing shows. This is not that big of a, and half the comedians are like these, these guys are insane. I can't believe these comedians are going to do this and they they death is inevitable so the logical response is to not ever prevent death or yeah Yeah. or make murder like why is murder illegal these people would have died eventually (laughs) who gives a shit you gotta gotta go some way that's you know uh, yeah also never been a time i've been more grateful to not be on comedy facebook Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> just apropos, apropos of nothing. Just apropos yeah. of nothing. Yeah. So the comedians that were against this are like, well, we know we still we still want to perform our own ways, and we have to figure out a way to be creative. So they it was the, they came up with the concept of of you know being socially distant at the time and still trying to perfect their craft. Sure. And mm-hmm. what they would do is they'd have they'd have to get a guy on a horse in like a full plague outfit. They would write their jokes down. They would give it to this guy. They would make this guy in the plague doctor's mask ride around their villages 
and recite the jokes <laughs> to people. And the people said, this is horrible. Like, we don't, we don't. <laughs> Brad, can I, can I ask real quick? Was the reason that the plague doctor's mask had that long nose, was that to amplify the volume when they recited jokes? Is that why they designed the nose that way? Yeah, it was also like, and like, yeah, it was also so they could keep, they would have to, you would have to go to a, a number of comedians. So he would kind of keep like, like the, the jokes in that long nose. So he would kind of. Oh, like the actual script would be in there and he could check it. Yeah. Well, and look, I mean, they're comedians. That long nose, it's for doing bumps. So. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's another good point. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, it's almost uh, like purpose. That's great. Yeah. And that was, I mean, the, the guy, he, the guy who was riding around the, the plague comedian, as they called him, who was riding around telling the jokes to the village was usually a newer comic. Mm-hmm. And it was a newer comic that was usually, it was obviously a guy who had a horse. So this kind of always, it always fell on him to like kind of keep the shows going. And it was yeah. kind of like a rite of passage for this younger comedian to run around before and the-, the jokes. And, you know, he would, he, he would have his little, uh, his, his little tip hat with him that he would, you know, something, I mean, the people in the village are like, what are you doing? Everyone's dying right now. Like I was wondering, things are terrible. Why are you doing the show? Like, this is not, none of this is funny. We don't like this at all. So what, what little money, <laughs> little money that he would get, mm-hmm. he would have to give it to all. Like he, he wouldn't get a cut at all. So he would just have to give it to these other comedians who mm-hmm. wanted to do it that way. And then a lot of these comedians, they said, well, it's like, Hey, we'll, we'll do one of these shows and we'll raise money for all the plague victims but none of that money went to the plague victims. like it was just it's super it was super also I, I from what i remember it was super hard for comics at the time because you'd write a joke about like a popular figure at the time and then two-thirds of the time that person would die and it'd be in poor taste <laughs> <laughs> it's, that was the big problem because by the time the guy on the horse would get out to the people to recite the joke they'd be like that guy died two days ago so they, they, what about this King right. Alfonso of Castile? What about what? What's that? Him? Him? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I also just like to imagine that before the plague, like the new comic with the horse was just like, I can feature if you want to ride on my horse <laughs> to the. Yeah, pretty much. I've got twenty, whatever we call minutes right now. Yeah, the, the headliner would ride on the back and drink mead the whole way. Would just get drunk on the back. <laughs> the back the horse. To be fair, I. I I do feel like it was still minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. So that they were doing that and that, that wasn't that popular. So a lot of those guys just kind of quit doing comedy. A lot of them were, were able to, you know, most of them didn't make it, but a lot of them, just, like, they thought about becoming monks. They thought about, you know, going, you know, going back to school or doing anything else. Like if their parents were still around, they tried to, move back into their huts. Oh, but <laughs> and Brad, I'm guessing, I'm guessing these, these young up and comers who were upcoming during the plague time in like 20, 30 years were like, man, these comics nowadays, they don't know. They, they don't remember the comedy boom of the plague. Uh, that was, you're not a real comic unless you remember that comedy boom back in the plague times. I'm assuming that was just comic. Yeah. That's what they, that's what they would say. But while, while those comics were doing that and they were trying to, you know, do it in a somewhat safe way, you still had the comedians at who were out there just doing, you know, with reckless abandon, just doing whatever they wanted, trying to get as many people into their shows as they could. Because people, you know, and I, I would get it, people like to live in denial. When th- things are scary, people just kind of like to bury their head in the sand and act like, like, like nothing is wrong. You know, comedians that were in in villages and towns at the time that had banned live performance. They're like, well, if you know, if we can't, you know, perform in Italy or Spain, we'll, we'll go to Scandinavia. And that was kind of like Wyoming at that time. And, uh, <laughs> in Europe. And not being, wholly inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. Not, I mean, just a white, but way more attractive than people in Wyoming. Oh, That's God. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Better oh, healthcare yeah. system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Better There's also, like, nothing worse than, like, a bringer show during a plague. <laughs> yeah. So we're going we're gonna to go to the Scandinavian countries. So that's, that's how it ended up in Norway. And that's, that's obviously why Polish jokes started at that mm. time, because Putin did such a good job with it. 
the comedians were trying to go into Poland to perform, and they're like, get the fuck out. You're not doing comedy in Poland. <laughs> Like, oh, these people are the dumbest people ever. (laughs) (laughs) They went to Norway. It spread throughout. Poland was like, I'm sorry, Mudflap. You're not coming in. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they were like, what if we walk in backwards and you think we're leaving? And they're like, we're not that stupid. That is not going to work. So they spread it. Poland, that's why they did a pretty good job with it. And that's why comedians have had this grudge against Polish people for upwards of, you know, 700 years now. And (laughs) it's spread through Scandinavia. And I mean, by the time, by the time it was all done, every comedian was dead from it. And they had, (laughs) they had decimated all of Europe. And that's, I mean, and it was really interesting because, you know, they, 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 they blamed it on the Jews. And no, no comedian at this time was Jewish, which is kind of, you know, interesting. But it wasn't, you know, the Jews were kind of kept out of comedy at that time. And then once all the comedians, you know, it had, the plague had been started by them and all the comedians had died from the plague. Then it was started up again by by the Jewish people at the time. Mm-hmm. because They had seen their they had been barred from every other industry. They were like, all right, we can't do anything else. That we're we're allowed to be money lenders, and that's it. But now that every comedian has died from this thing that they created, we'll take a crack. <laughs> and like the rest is history from there. That's how comedy is where it is today. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's the real. The 1390s was defined by uh, by. I'm trying to think of a pun on Seinfeld that works for the 1390s. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's a very hard one. Oh no. You picked like the impossible one. <laughs> you pick like the fucking sword in the stone. of 1390s puns. Yeah. Uh, all the other 1390s puns are so easy. <laughs> all the things from the 1390s. We remember. That lend themselves to puns. <laughs> Maybe the Hundred Years' War was going on then. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think it was. I mean, it was basically the entire century. Um, um, Brad, thank you. Thank you. Um, well, <clears throat> sorry. Before we move on, listeners. Um, Real quick, I want to give a shout out to uh, Matt Mariner, our new patron on Patreon. Thank you for your support. Um, and also want to say, if you want to get your hands on one of our Jeff Tice designed revisionist t-shirts, uh, we're still running that. Um, it's not really a, a contest incentive program where <laughs> if you make a donation of $20 or more to the Sylvia Rivera Law Project, uh, and send us a screenshot of that receipt uh, along with your size preference and your shipping address. Uh, we'll send you a shirt. And the Sylvia, Sylvia Rivera Law Project is great. Um, they support the rights of people to express their own gender identity, both um, in everyday life and also in prisons. Um, so definitely worth your support, especially if you're looking to donate to a good cause over the holidays. Yeah. Um, uh yeah uh i'd add uh well in addition to my other podcast uh movie trap also i would say uh more importantly than that uh if you get some spare change and you're in the given spirit for the holiday season a i suspect uh that the current plague will see an uptick uh in the near future it already has and i suspect after thanksgiving it's going to be worse um and also, uh, if you're interested in maybe like setting a path for the government to actually provide relief for the plague, uh, it wouldn't be the worst thing to donate to John Ossoff or Reverend Warnock in the Georgia runoffs because mm-hmm. that's probably the best bet to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is, use this as a great excuse to not see your family. You're never going to get this again. Yeah. Think, of, think about it that way. It's like you, 
just think about, you know, Thanksgiving five years from now where you're with your family. And you're like, this sucks. I can't <laughs> believe what's going on about God knows what, when can I get out? Just think and just think about it. Like, Oh, five years ago, I missed that opportunity where I could have like been all by myself and could have mm. act was doing something virtuous yeah. and noble at the time. Just <laughs> yeah. seize it for what it is. Usually yeah. you're in a position if, if you're in, if you were in your twenties, like me, uh, you missed Thanksgiving because you worked in a shitty service industry job. And yeah. now you can stay home on Thanksgiving and not be working and not be with your family. It's the dream. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. You'll, you will never have this opportunity again, hopefully. So, I mean, honestly, this is going up Saturday after Thanksgiving. So Christmas or whatever holidays you celebrate coming up. Um, yeah. Boxing day, et cetera. Boxing day. Um, yes. Or, you know, Hanukkah, which is more what I was <laughs> in the, in the aiming. I'm, I'm I understood what you were saying, but. I'm worried about New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve is going to be a fucking. God yeah. knows how many cases are they're going to be like the early part of January because people like they they really think that years kind of like mean anything. So like, like when they're like, oh, we're at the end of 2020. No one's going to get coronavirus in 2021. Like we might yeah. as well. We can all party right now. Like that's. That's what I'm really worried about. Coronavirus, it took an oath. It was like, after 2020, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, its, that was its fucking resolution. Yeah, and this year's been so crazy. Yeah, New Year's was, Eve's going to be a wild. It's like thing. the baby New Year we got for 2020 was coronavirus, and it dies yeah. Yeah. at 12 o'clock on, uh, on New Year's Eve. Honestly, if you, if you all want to celebrate... 2020 ending and 2021 starting i recommend staying home and just like sitting in a corner because <laughs> hey. that's what i'll be doing you know what uh, i got a fact for all, all you listeners you can get good and drunk at home <laughs> you want to do it hey and you know it's easier you don't have to worry about the uber or how you're gonna get your car back later <laughs> and you know what you can fucking like get a mannequin, start a fight with them at home for the whole experience. Yeah. And you won't get a felony charge. Yeah. You can call your friends and alienate them rather than doing it in person. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> or other things people do on <laughs> New Year's Eve. You can uh, shout numbers at home. <laughs> uh, perfect. Um, but I think that'll take us to the judgment zone uh, this episode, which <sighs> is Population Zach. Yeah. So this is a tough one because obviously on the one hand, we have the single worst loss of human life in history. <laughs> the most horrible event we have ever and probably will ever cover on this podcast. <laughs> the amount of tragedy and untold suffering will reverberate throughout the centuries and uh, in your darkest hours of sleep, thinking back on what must people must have endured at this time will shake you awake and rob you <laughs> of, a, of, of an entire night's worth of sanctity of mind. <laughs> so that's one option. <laughs> and then on the other option we have, a commentary on the state of uh, comedy in general, but especially Denver comedy. Um, but like, yeah, COVID uh, in COVID times, which is, again, not like uh, COVID is still a, a subject of some, some uh, you know, regard. But at the same time, uh, comedy, you know, comedy wars are weird and strange and people get so angry all the time and so many comment threads about them that uh, I can't help, you know, for many in the audience, I'm sure that will be an alienating experience, <laughs> but I'm going to vote for it, man. Yeah. I've, I've seen it. I, I don't do comedy so much anymore, but I still watch it every day. These comment threads of comedians. Yeah. After we're done, someone needs to catch me up on what I've been missing or at least yeah. who's a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> We all are. That's that's what I've realized. That's the secret. That's the secret, yeah. Everybody is just in their own way. It's like the piece of shit that acting like like they're morally superior in kind of every way and that they have it all figured out. 
Like that's, yeah. that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. That, like for some people, this is their time. Like this is a time where they're better pieces of shit, but yeah. tomorrow may be a time when the other person is the better piece of shit. That's all it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that honestly sounds like the 14th century. So, hey, uh, bringing it back around. Uh, but, Brad, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me again. That was fun, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach, thank you as always. Of course. Yep. And uh, for everyone here at The Revisionist, I've been Brian Flynn. I've been Zach Powers. Have a good time. November 28, 1972, Claude Buffet and Roger Bontem are beheaded in the last non-bagel-related guillotine in France. November 28, 1520, an expedition under Ferdinand Magellan passes through the Strait of Magellan, which, na- which was named after Magellan's nickname for his butt. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Not even going to redo that one. November 28, 1895, the first American automobile race takes place, inspiring Harper's Magazine to publish a sonnet titled Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> uh, I think I'll do, I got four here, so I'll, I'll, do, I'll do four. November 28th, 1520, an expedition. Uh, <laughs> I uh, got that in cocktails in me. <clears throat> All right. November 28th, 1520, an expedition under the command of Ferdinand Magellan passes through the Strait of Magellan. The crew unanimously agrees it was a lot less fun than the bi and gay of Magellan, but a lot better than the sapiosexual of Magellan. Uh, Let's see. November 28th, 1785. The first Treaty of Hopewell is signed by which the United States acknowledges Cherokee lands in what is now East Tennessee. They called it Hopewell because when you hear about it, you have hope. But by the time you reach the what is now is East Tennessee part of the sentence, you go, (laughs) oh, well. (laughs) And finally, November 28th, 1895, the first American automobile race takes place over the 54 miles from Chicago's Jackson Park to Evanston, Illinois. The destination was not planned ahead of time, but the drivers were all white and fleeing the south side for Evanston is a natural migration pattern for white people. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I love that. Oh man.